College basketball has officially started with practices all around the country over the next few weeks and really throughout the course of the entire season. We'll be talking about all the new faces we see on the court at different schools, but the offseason also brings changes to who is on the bench, head coaches that is, and what to look for in 22-23. It all starts right now. Are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Monday, friends. It is October 10th, 2022. I am Missy Heydrich, National Women's College Basketball Correspondent at The Next. Thank you for making Locked on Women's Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Missy Heydrich, but be sure to also follow The Next at The Next Tubes and this podcast at Locked on Women's Basketball. The past two Mondays, we've been marching across the nation, talking schedules, marquee matchups and P5 conferences, and some of the best, very best mid-majors around. Today, we're going to dive into coaching changes across the nation. They happened last spring, but now is really when the rubber meets the road. We'll talk key retirements that led to new faces leading those programs, the domino effect and what comes with hirings, first-time head coaches around the country, and some coaches that are back in that head coaching seat at a new institution. But first, let's take a minute to give some context to coaching changes. We really have to boil it down to the fact that most coaching changes are going to come based on really two scenarios. Number one, a lack of success, or number two, a move by a coach individually because of their success, their resume, uh, possibly could have been a connection to an opening somewhere else. No matter what, coaching changes are difficult. They are difficult on programs, in both good and bad. You know you're going to wish coaches well when they take a new opportunity. For instance, if a head coach moves on, maybe it's their alma mater. Maybe it's to take over a program where one of their mentors has been before them. Those are the kinds of ones that maybe have a bit of a feel-good story to it because it's not necessarily with a negative context. But no matter what, that is going to be hard. It is going to be hard on the program in general. And there's a trickle-down effect. We look at it how it's difficult for the families, difficult for families of everyone associated with that program at the time. Assistant coaches, operations, uh, your strength and conditioning coaches, even trainers, they see their jobs change with coaching changes. But we also know that this is an incredibly difficult thing across college athletics for student athletes. It boils down to that recruiting process. When did that begin? And in the sport of basketball, both men's and women's, that recruiting process starts very early because of the contact and to be able to see young players out on the road in AAU tournaments at the 12, 13, 14U levels, that's where some of those connections are made. Those kids then go to camps and they visit campus and they take unofficial visits. And that's when the relationship building begins. So if something like that has happened and it's been going on for four or five years, maybe even longer, you never know, those personal connections then make it really hard when a coach leaves, whether they leave in a head coaching position for a new job 
or if they're being terminated, retired, relieved of their duties, however we want to look at it. So this is a difficult scenario, but I do think that it's incredibly important that we always have to remember that is the duty of the administrations on these campuses to do their homework, to be ready to make a move. And when they do, what does that look like? We all know that athletic directors across the country, they all have lists, whether that's women's basketball, soccer, football, men's basketball, there is going to be a list, list of people that if they had an opening, who would they want to go after? Now, what are your, going to be your criteria? A lot of the cases are going to be program builders. Were they a former player there? What are the connections? But you have to, if you're going to make a move as a head in your head coaching position, why? What you take in, what leaves and what comes must be better. And so we have to always think about what are those criteria of which coaches operate? There's different measures of success. We know wins and losses are a big piece of that. We also have to keep in mind things like graduation rates. And are, are you seeing an incremental improvement from one year to the next? Wins and losses, most definitely when it boils down to it, are really going to be one of the biggest pieces of it. But I look at not only improvement of your program, but also player development. That's one thing I hear a lot from administrators is they look at a young person coming into a basketball program and say, are they better from year one to year two? Are they better from year two to year three? That is indicative of what type of head coach you have and whom they've surrounded them with and put into their program. So coaching changes are never easy and it is not gonna be something that's gonna be a simplistic process. It takes time. Coaches then have to hit the ground running when they start at their new institution. And it doesn't necessarily happen overnight. We know that then a lot of players are going to think about transferring when they make a coaching change. Some stay, some really like the institution. They really want to be there. I've always told kids, no matter what your sport is, when you think about it, could you see yourself going to that school if that coaching staff wasn't there? Would you really want to be there getting an education and going to college? That's a question that I think a lot of young people have to answer themselves. But in 21-22, we did see a lot of coaching careers finish. And a lot of that was because of retirement. And so there are a lot of new faces taking over big time programs all across the country because of retirement. Just a few that I wanted to highlight for everyone. First and foremost, Kathy Delaney Smith, one of the trailblazers of women's basketball, had been at Harvard for decades. She really built that program, built a generation around women's athletics and Title IX, not only at Harvard, but in the Ivy League and all up and down the East Coast. She retires. Carrie Moore takes over that Harvard program. So there will be a new face on the sideline there. West Virginia, Mike Carey, he retires at West Virginia after over two decades of being in that head coaching spot. A new face will now be in Morgantown, and that is Don Plitzewhite. She comes from South Dakota after a very successful career. She'd been at Northern Kentucky, went to South Dakota, really built a program in the Summit League, and takes over the West Virginia women's basketball program in Morgantown. I will look to see the transition that she will be making into the Big 12, but we know that's a team that is going to defend each and every ball game. Texas A&M, Gary Blair retires at Texas A&M, and Joni Taylor comes from Georgia to take over the A&M program. I think this was a big hire for Texas A&M and their administration. Look for big things from Joni Taylor. Arizona State, Charlie Turner Thorne, she retires at um, many, many decades at Arizona State. Build a program there based on toughness, being able to put just triage players in and out on the floor. But a new face. After five years at Delaware, Natasha Adair takes over that program at Arizona State. Again, different faces now coming into the Pac-12. 
A very interesting one that I think is going to draw a lot of attention over the course of this season is the change at BYU. Jeff Judkins retires at over 20 years as the head coach at BYU, building into a really high quality competitive program. WCC championships, trips to the NCAA, upsets in the NCAA tournament. But as he retires and BYU is looking to make the change into the Big 12, they went a different direction and they went with a high school coach, Amber Whiting. She's been a very successful high school coach in both Utah and Idaho, played junior college basketball as well as one year at BYU. So she is a BYU alum. And having been on that AAU circuit, again, a lot of different connections. Now, I take you back for those Big 12 folks that we saw the success of a high school coach coming in and taking on a program. Sherry Cole did that. She had been the high school coach at Norman High and then just reinvented Oklahoma women's basketball into a juggernaut within the Big 12 for many, many years. But Amber Whiting is an interesting hire. There's also a big piece of the puzzle there. Her daughter is Amari Whiting, a top 50 player in the nation in the class of 2023. She committed to Oregon, but has switched her commitment and will go and sign with BYU and play for her mom. I think it is an interesting hire, one that's going to have a lot of different dynamics to it, but you look for BYU to continue to be a contender. Florida State, Sue Semerau retires officially and Brooke Wyckoff takes over. Now we saw her in the interim chair during the COVID season when Sue Semera had to step away because of family, but now she is officially the head coach at Florida State. Southern Illinois, they've got a first-year head coach now in Kelly Bond White because Cynthia Stein has retired from Southern Illinois. They won the regular season Missouri Valley title last year and big shoes to fill with a lot of changes and faces, but Kelly Bond White takes over that program. And also Vivian Stringer, she retires at Rutgers and Coquise Washington is going to take over that Rutgers program, which has seen a dip over the last few years, but in the highly competitive Big Ten. Washington has been at Penn State. She has a lot of experience. Can she rebuild that thing? I think she's the type of person that is going to be the right hire. But when you have retirements from coaches that are just so established, they have been part of the vernacular, not only of the program itself for women's basketball, but of those institutions that they have bet on. Those are big shoes to fill. And we'll see how these coaches match up in 22-23. Now, let's take a minute and we're going to get, and we mentioned the domino effect because that is a big piece of coaching changes. And I'll walk through a few to keep an eye on. And also some of those first-time head coaches that are taking over programs all across the country. But first, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want 100% certain that you can have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right person for your team faster and for free. I think we all have been the beneficiary of someone who has reached out to us for a position or an opportunity because of LinkedIn. So when you go in and make those profiles, you have access to LinkedIn Jobs. All you have to do is add your job and the purple hashtag hiring theme to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and who you would like to hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus their leading competitors. So LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NBA. 
That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, I am Missy Heidrich, and thank you again for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. All right, everybody, we talked about some key retirements, but then there's also that domino effect of a coaching change and a coaching hire. It could happen for a variety of reasons. Well, again, we've said this could be a coach that's moving on for another opportunity. Someone has been relieved at the school in front of them. Could have been a retirement. All of those things kind of mix and match how the flow goes as it relates to different for, uh, of moves. But there's been a couple that I think are really interesting and it has to do with how they come into a program where I think that they can build something and may necessarily have some things that they really can work with. First, Shauna Green, she moves from Illinois, or excuse me, she takes the Illinois job from Dayton, a highly successful career as a head coach at Dayton. We saw them in the NCAA tournament last year and she takes over this Illinois program now heading into the Big Ten. It is a difficult league to recruit to simply because there is so much competition for the talent in the Midwest. But I think Shauna Green is a dynamic personality. She's going to get after it and she's going to put together a squad that's going to play the, the way she likes to play. That could be fast. It could be more methodical in a half court game, but they are going to defend. And when they have opportunity to get up and down the floor, that's what you're going to see from Illinois. But then we also means that Dayton had an opening and they give themselves Tamika Williams Jeter takes over that Dayton program. So again, that domino effect, one job opens, someone fills it somewhere else. J.C. Hoyt, she takes over at Oklahoma State University of Jim, Jim Littell had retired. She came from Kansas, University of Missouri, Kansas City, or Kansas City, had the Ruse program there. Now she's at Oklahoma State, but that does give movement for an opening at Kansas City for Deanna jackson Durrett, who we will talk about in just a moment, one of those first-year head coaches. Coach Mox. Coach Mox had been at Missouri State building a juggernaut in the Missouri Valley, but Emeka Ogugwa Hamilton takes over at Virginia. Tina Thompson was relieved of her duties, and now Coach Mox heads to the ACC. That is a rebuilding project there at Virginia. However, I do think this is the right type of person and personality to be able to attack ACC recruiting, find the type of talent and athleticism that you need to be able to compete in that league. Another one I thought was very interesting is Allison Guth. Allison comes to Loyola Chicago from Yale, and that also meant that there was an opening at Yale, and that has been filled. But Delia Essay, a first-time head coach, takes over at Yale. She has ties to the Ivy, had been at Princeton before. But again, one move by one coach opens a door for someone else. And Felicia Leggett-Jack, she goes to Syracuse from Buffalo, and Buffalo having to fill that opening. They hired Becky Burke to take over that program. But I really look for, again, a Syracuse program that's had a lot of ups and downs. They've had a lot of things happen off the court. And it's been, I think, a difficult time for the young women that have been part of that program. I think Coach Leggett Jack might be just the right person to create that stability, that excitement, and energize those people to be part of that program. But we see the trickle down. So Jack, Felicia, Jack, Felicia, Leggett Jack goes to Syracuse. Buffalo has an opening. And as we said, Becky Burke takes that job. Now, there's a lot of other notions as it relates to those first-time head coaches. 
And I mentioned Deanna Jackson Durrett at Kansas City. She's a St. Louis native. She played at Oklahoma. She's got a lot of understanding of the, this Midwest region, especially the state of Missouri. She had been with Vic Schaefer as an assistant, both at Mississippi State and Texas. She started her coaching career at George Mason, but is going to bring a lot of energy and excitement to Kansas City. This is a Roos program that has seen a rise in their success with what J.C. Hoyt was able to do. She did have a couple players follow her to Oklahoma State. So those were some roster spots that had to be filled. But again, if you're Kansas City, you're looking who's the type of person that can help us continue to elevate our program and compete in the Summit League. That's one of those criteria that I think administrators have to look at is who is going to be the right person? Do they have the right recruiting connections and understanding of our leagues? Summit League basketball is very tough. You've got to go against South Dakota State and South Dakota rebuilding programs at North Dakota and North Dakota State, just to name a few. And Kansas City is one of those on kind of on the upswing in the summit. Whether Gianna Jackson Durrett has what it's made now, she'll be able to prove herself as a first-year head coach. I also look at Sam Purcell. He takes over this Mississippi State program. He had been an assistant to Jeff Walls at Louisville and known as one of the toughest recruiters out on the trail. He will find a player and he will continue to go after them. And he's got a lot of things and to sell at Mississippi State. They've got fan support. They've got facilities. They have got administrative support. And that's exactly what you're looking for if you want to be a first-time head coach. Go into a situation where you know that everything lines up. It gives you the ability then to go out and recruit and to find the kind of players that you need for your program. Mississippi State, they themselves, they've kind of had to ride the roller coaster a little bit over the last year, 18 months. I think Sam Purcell is the person that can come in and right this ship, get everything back on level and take over a Bulldog program to compete in the SEC. Carrie Moore, we mentioned her taking over at Harvard. It is really hard to fill the shoes of a legend. And when you have to do that with Kathy Delaney Smith, that makes it even more difficult. But Carrie Moore was an assistant at Michigan. She has a huge reference to the Ivy League, two stints at Princeton. And when you also have a successful playing career, which she had at Western Michigan, it backs everything up because you understand, you know what these student athletes are going through. You have a little bit different perspective. And so I look for Carrie Moore to be very successful at Harvard as she takes over that program there. And Carly Thibodeau Dudonis, she takes over at the Fairfield program, Fairfield University out east. She had been associate head coach at Minnesota. We know her dad is Mike Thibodeau in the WNBA, but just a young person with a ton of energy, a great young staff, kind of building things, reinvigorating their recruiting process and wanting to make Fairfield a place that kids, a destination for themselves. And I think that's what you're looking, young coaches with a lot of energy and a lot of vision. And that comes from time. It comes from experience. It comes from working with different people along their way in their career. But I would look at these first time head coaches as ones that are going to make a splash over the course of this season. All right. In just a moment, we're going to talk. We've talked about some first time head coaches, but then there are also some of those coaches that are back in the seat, that number one seat. Some people might call it the hot seat. It just depends on how you look at it. But we're going to talk about that and a few other changes across the country in just a moment. But first... Bet Online is your number one source for football betting information this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source 
for all your sport wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is Monday night. It is Monday night football. Raiders at Chiefs. I live here in the Kansas City metro area. Let me tell you, everybody is gearing up for Monday night football, and that's going to be a big one. You can find everything you need to know about that matchup at Bet Online. It is also the fastest, easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB. The playoffs start this week. MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. For all of you in states where sports wagering is legal, get on your mobile device wherever you are. Make those bets. Find your information. It comes in handy. Bet online where the game starts. Hi, everybody. I am Missy Heydrich, and thank you so much for joining us here on Lockdown Women's Basketball there's so much going on, as we know, as the college basketball season gets ready to go. And it's all about matchups. It's going to be about who's healthy and who's not. We've seen a lot of way too early top 25 polls. Media days are coming all across the nation. A lot of the P5 programs, et cetera. But there's also a lot of movement, as we talked about with coaches. And that just changes the landscape. It changes about some of the faces and familiar ones that we won't see this year on the sideline, maybe because of retirement or that they're stepping away from the game. We also are going to see some new ones. We talked just a few minutes ago about first-year head coaches stepping into that spotlight, that quote-unquote hot seat. There's also a handful of coaches that are stepping back into that spotlight and taking over a head coaching job where they had been a head coach previously, maybe spent some time as an assistant, but now they are back. And so that really kind of changes their perspective. I wanted to give you a highlight of just a few that I think jump off the page and give us a look at some of the very interesting matchups over the course of the season. One of them is Beth Cunningham. She takes over the Missouri State program. We mentioned earlier, Coach Mox left Missouri State, headed to the University of Virginia and the ACC. But this program in the Missouri Valley, it's ready-made. You know that you have great fan support, great administrative support, and the university behind you 100% at Missouri State. They love women's basketball. So to take over the Bears program, Beth Cunningham has said she knew she had her hands full in the sense of embracing that, wanting to her players to embrace that, and understanding what that tradition and heritage is all about. But Beth Cunningham has been a head coach before. She was a head coach at VCU. She's been an assistant at Notre Dame. Most recently, she had been on the bench with Carol Lawson at Duke and now takes over this Bears program. They did lose some players to the transfer portal but and to graduation, but they have gone out and got new faces. Spent a lot of time, as she said, in Missouri Valley uh, media days and coach availability, doing a lot of teaching and understanding and getting them to embrace that play hard mentality, which is what has built Missouri State basketball. I look for the Bears to be a contender this year in the Missouri Valley, no doubt. We mentioned Cokies Washington. She takes over for the historical program of Vivian Stringer. And when you take over at Rutgers, and again, because of COVID and the pandemic, Vivian Stringer hasn't been on the sideline very much over the last couple of years. And I think that maybe is part of the reason why we saw the downtrend and just the lack of stability as it relates to the Rutgers program. But now Coach Washington takes that over. She had been the head coach at Penn State for many years in the Big Ten. She's been on the bench, whether it was Oklahoma as well as Notre Dame. And now she is back in the Big Ten taking over this Rutgers program. I think she's got a great feel for the recruiting niche that they have in New Jersey because of Rutgers and what it stands for. And just the history of that program, you can build upon that and get your players to really buy into it as well. And Cynthia Messer, she is one of those 
head coaches at TakesOver at University of Central Florida. Now, why did the UCF program come open? Well, that was because Katie Abramson Henderson took over the job, took the job at Georgia when Joni Taylor left to go to Texas A&M. I hope you followed those dots. But Coach Messer takes over this UCF program. Now, she had been a head coach at Tennessee Tech from 2009 to 2012. Then she joined Kim Mulkey and has been on her bench since then, both at Baylor and for this first year at LSU. But she takes over a UCF program that has had sustained success. Now, UCF will also be making the jump, just as we mentioned with the new coach at BYU. UCF will be making the jump to the Big 12 next year. That changes things. But I think in this first season for UCF and Coach Messer, she's going to be looking to instill that culture and her system. You know she's going to build a lot off of what Kim Mulkey has had success with over her time and looking for players that fit that system. The beauty of being at UCF is you are in the state of Florida, which is full and ripe of fantastic high school talent. And you can also be a place where transfers want to come. And that's what I think Coach Messer is going to be able to do. But she is back in that number one seat as a head coach this year. Everyone always asks, where are the moves in the P5 universe? Well, we mentioned Georgia with Katie Abramson Henderson taking that job after Joni Taylor left. We saw Kelly Ray Finley have the interim tag taken off her at Florida. She is now the head coach. That was a tumultuous season last year for the Gator women's basketball program. And I give credit. I give credit to Coach Finley for being sort of that calming force. The interim tag was taking off. This is now her program. She has her the ability to put her stamp on it. Look to see what the Gators can do in the SEC in 22-23. Mississippi State, as we said, Sam, Sam Purcell taking over that job. And also Wake Forest. Now, they made a move, and theirs was a little bit later in the year. And this is kind of interesting for an ACC school, but after evaluation by the Wake Forest administration, Jen Hoover was relieved of her duties. She was 162 and 183 in her career. Now, the hard part about Jen Hoover being let go at Wake Forest was that she is a Wake Forest alum, and that can be a difficult and dicey thing to do. But when that change came kind of late in, in early May, they went and found the right kind of hire that I think is going to be the type of person that can build something. Someone that has an understanding of what the academic uh, threshold is at an institution like Wake Forest. And they found that. And Megan Jabia and Coach Jabia, two-time Patriot Coach of the Year, League Coach of the Year, excuse me, at American University, somewhat similar institutions. But she's going to take over Wake Forest Somebody to keep an eye on the ACC. They like to see that they have all of the facilities. They have everything at their disposal of what you need to build a program at Wake. Coach Jabia, she might be the person that can do it here moving forward. A couple other interesting notes that I looked at when you think about coaching changes across the country. There was also some first-year head coaches that I didn't mention earlier in the Missouri Valley. But I think we'll give, and this is a league that has four new head coaches, we mentioned Kelly Bond-White, who takes over for Cindy Stein in that retirement, Southern Illinois, Beth Cunningham at Missouri State. But Kate Popovic-Goss takes over at Bradley. She was a Northwestern alum, played there, and also worked for Joe McEwen as associate head coach. She now takes over that Bradley program that is a true rebuild. And another big-time rebuild is the University of Illinois Chicago. They moved from the Horizon League to the Missouri Valley this year. Ashley Bracy takes over that program. I think it will be interesting to see. She's got a lot of experience having been 
herself a player in the Missouri Valley. She played at Illinois State and then has spent time on the bench at the University of Missouri over the last couple of years. Really has a great perspective to the league, understands the recruiting landscape. And really, if you're in Chicago, you think there's got to be a plethora of talent. Absolutely. Can she put all of that together and want them get kids to want to come to the University of Illinois, Chicago? There are a couple others that I just thought were really interesting as you think about coaching changes across the country, ones that are not always on the radar. So, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to give everybody some information that they may not have always thought about. I look at Butler University. Now, some people would say, why Butler? Well, one thing that stands out to me for Butler is Barry Collier is the athletic director at Butler University. He's a former head coach himself in the men's game. He understands, understands sort of the complexity of things. And so when this program had gone four and 44 over the last two years and that not including very few wins in the Big East, it was time for a change. And Barry Collier went after someone who I think really has an understanding of the state of Indiana, the recruiting landscape there, and really what could be a gem of opportunity and program building at Butler. Austin Parkinson, he spent 12 years at IUPUI. They made a 2022 NCAA appearance. He signed a lot of transfers to get some help to his roster. And I think it will be interesting to watch the evolution of this Butler program. They've kind of been in the cellar of the Big East. Can they make that jump? I think so. And Austin Parkinson might be the person that can help them do that and really build something there. But then keep an eye on because the success that Coach Parkinson has, will that catapult him in a couple years to a P5 position? Possibly. And that's where the domino effect comes in. Another one I thought to keep an eye on as we look at all the different mid-major conferences around the country, it was a Sunbelt hire. And that was at Coastal Carolina. Jaden Williams had been there for nine years. She was just 129, 129, and 127 in her career. But now what they needed to do is find something different. And they went with Kevin Peterson. This team, Coastal Carolina, was 15 and 11 last year in 2022, but they made an interesting hire in, Ke in Kevin Pedersen. And this Coach Pedersen, 17 years at Lander University, a D2 program, 13 Division II NCAA tournament appearances, understands program building, understands culture, understands finding the right player for the right system. I think it'll be interesting to see whether Coastal Carolina can kind of build themselves back up in that Sun Belt. And as we always talk about with mid-major coaches, they know that their season is really built on three pieces, your non-con, your conference, and that postseason tournament. Can you get your team on kind of firing on all cylinders at the right time of year so that you can make a run in your postseason tournament, possibly win that thing, and get that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament? Coastal Carolina, new coach, new program, new feel. They might be the kind of team that's looking to do that. So we know there are just way too many coaching changes, way too many things going on across the country. We wanted to give you just a snapshot. Keep your eye. Keep your eye on new coaches. Keep your eye this year on coaches where their stock might be rising because if there is an opening next year, somebody's going to be coming to look for them. There's always going to be the hot names and coaching searches, but really when it comes down to it, what is the best fit for each institution? It's different everywhere, just as it is in recruiting for young people and student athletes. It's the same way for coaches. They've got to find the right fit, and then they have to be able to, as we said earlier, the rubber meets the road. They have to be able to find the right kids, the right people to be able to execute and win ball games at their institution. I want to thank everybody for listening and for watching today. You can find me, Missy Heydrich, at 
Missy Heydrich on Twitter, but also please come find all of my amazing colleagues at The Next Tubes. You can see them on Twitter at The Next Tubes and everybody right here at our podcast at Locked On Women's Basketball. You can join me here every Monday to talk everything college hoops and come back all this week for more episodes on this podcast, whether it's college basketball news and notes, international basketball highlights and actions and moves across the WNBA. We have got you covered. Don't forget, there's going to be some head coaching hires you do not want to miss out. Thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen every day. But now for your second listen, go check out the ultimate Pro Basketball Preview 2022, a six-episode extravaganza to get you ready for the NBA season. The local team experts and the NBA insiders of the Lockdown Podcast Network and Odyssey all combining into one ultimate NBA preview. Search for Ultimate Pro NBA Preview 2022 on your Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, everybody, for watching and for listening right here on Locked on Women's Basketball. Don't go anywhere. We will take care of you, and we will see you next time.